So today is Father's Day, and as I mentioned at the beginning of service, on a, a day like today, you can hardly omit to talk about the fact that God is our Heavenly Father, and uh, that today is a celebration of that fact in a lot of ways, which really ties in uh, to our scripture readings, again focusing on evangelism. And it's no accident uh, that for the past several Sundays, uh, in this season of Pentecost, immediately following the seasons of Easter and uh, the uh, Sunday of Pentecost itself, it's no accident that our readings immediately begin focusing on evangelism because that's what the work of God is all about. Uh, that's what God is all about accomplishing through that Easter resurrection, ascension, exaltation, and Pentecost gift of the Holy Spirit to equip his church to join him in that mission of seeking and saving the lost. In the family business, uh, if you will, uh, of moving uh, lost sinners out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light into the uh, kingdom of God's glorious son. Uh, we are part of that family business, God and son movers. Because when you, you talk about relationship, it really has two aspects, at least two. You could uh, split it a lot of different ways. Um, but as we typically talk about it, our relationship with God involves, first of all, that, that emotional side of it, uh, of relationship, being loved, having someone always there for you. Uh, but of course, it's Father's Day, so we're not going to be talking about our feelings today. Uh, the, just kidding, I, joking on the stereotype. Of course, guys can talk about their feelings too, and if you can't, you should learn to. Uh, but... As guys, we also value a lot that second aspect of it, which is the more active side of relationship. That's not just an emotional connection. It's a functional connection as well. That being in relationship with God means working side by side. Uh, having him actually interacting, being a part of accomplishing the things of God uh, with him and him with us. And uh, we can see that uh, very strongly in our, our lessons today, uh, where God calls his people in the, uh, during the Exodus, uh, defining their relationship with him in the giving of the covenant at Mount Sinai and puts it in very clear terms uh, as uh, he calls them uh, to be his witnesses in the world, uh, to be a, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, a people belonging to God. Uh, that language is echoed in the New Testament as well in First Peter 2 verse 9 uh, that uh, is referred to the church as the new Israel. Uh, the people of God uh, who are called through baptism out of darkness into his marvelous light to be a, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood belonging to God to declare the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
So how do we go about doing that? How do we play our part and do our role in the, the family business as God's children, uh, to be in relationship with him by working in his mission? Well, uh, one way is in our families. Now, we work in the, the family business most directly in the family business, uh, the business of being a part of a family. Of course, how could we uh, show our Heavenly Father's relationship with, uh, with his people and reflect that more clearly uh, than being the kind of earthly fathers who demonstrate that by love, compassion, forgiveness, uh, protection, provision uh, for our children, including appointing them to their Heavenly Father and ours. And it's not just for dads, of course, either. Uh, moms and grandparents, aunts and uncles can all participate in that uh, vital uh, work of evangelism, evangelizing the young, our own children. Because you could argue there's, there's no more lost sinner in the world than a newborn child. It kind of goes against our instincts when we look at them and see how cute and innocent they appear to be. But from Scripture, we understand that we're not born innocent. We're born outside a relationship with God. And that newborn baby knows nothing of God or righteousness or holiness. It's a creature solely of instinct. And if you've lived with your instincts any measure of time, you know where they lead and how good they are. Uh, the little babies know how to sin and nothing else. And they need, it's, they're not born righteous and learning how to sin. They're born sinful and need to be taught the things of righteousness, the things of God. And of course, there's no more immediate mission field than the children God has put in our lives and made us directly responsible for. And you could broaden it beyond children as well and say that we have a similar obligation to uh, your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister. Uh, that in our families, we have our, our immediate mission field a place where we can show God's love and forgiveness in a very powerful way. Of course, that extends beyond the family as well. As we go out into the world, Christ tells us very clearly to let our, our lights shine as we do good works uh, so that the world can see and uh, give glory to our Father in heaven. And that it may at first seem like kind of the easy way. Oh, I don't have to talk to people and get in religious discussions. I can just, you know, let my light shine. But it's not really as easy when it, as it sounds because to let your light shine, you actually have to shine brighter than people around you. To be noticed for good works. Uh, to stand out and say, what's different about that person? Well, you have to be different. Right? It's a call to leave a, lead a life of radical righteousness, which is not easy. 
one of the dangers of it is that it can easily lead us into a kind of legalism where we feel the burden to save people by our own righteous example or the burden to be uh, righteous enough to be a good witness. And uh, we certainly want to avoid that. And we'll kind of circle around back to that later. Um, but there it is a part of our calling and an important part of our witness uh, to lead lives that the world can identify as different in a good way. Uh, lives uh, full of love and compassion, serving our neighbor, helping the poor, forgiving those who hurt us. Uh, so that others can see and say, what do they have that's so special? One of the other ways we can even more directly uh, reach out to people then is by inviting people to church and Bible study. Uh, and that is a kind of easy one, although that's not always the easiest. Uh, but it does have a, a wonderful uh, way of kind of deferring responsibility if you're uh, afraid or feel uncomfortable of getting into deeper theological discussions and stuff. You can always just kick that down the line and say, hey, why don't you ask my pastor that? That's a good question. You should come to church with me and we'll ask my pastor. And uh, studies have shown that the main reason a lot of people come to church is because they were invited by a friend. And had the opportunity then uh, to hear God's message, the grace of his grace, the gospel uh, explained and proclaimed uh, in a way that they can engage with. Of course, you can also explain and proclaim that message yourself. Sharing the gospel uh, with those around you. And, and uh, it may be daunting to think, of, well, I'm not an apostle, Paul. I am not going out and preaching and teaching. Uh, but you don't have to be an apostle to tell people the gospel. It does take practice. And you can equip yourself by uh, practicing either by getting in those conversations and giving it a shot, trusting the Holy Spirit to, to bail you out where you fail, which is what I do a lot of times. I mean, both trusting the Holy Spirit and failing. Uh, but also just running it through your head. Play out a scenario in your head. Think about how you would share the gospel with someone. Look for those opportunities to at least identify them, even if you don't take advantage of them right away, to be able to say, that would have been a good spot to tell someone, uh, that person about the hope I have in me. Once you identify those opportunities, then you can maybe jump in with them sometime. Also recognizing that the best place to share the gospel, the, what the gospel is for, is for people who are hurting. And as you look around, of course, there are people who are hurting all around us, aren't there? There's so much suffering in the world. Can we look around and say, that person looks lonely. I know someone who has promised to be with them all the time. Do you think I could tell them that? That person looks 
sad. I know something to be joyful about. You think I could tell them that? That person looks scared. I know someone who can protect us from anything. You think I could tell them about that? That we have the answer, the solution to every form of suffering, every kind of difficulty. And when we see people in those difficulties, it's an opportunity to let them know what that answer is, the gospel for their situation. Even if it's just an offer, hey, can I pray for you? And pray for them right there. Pray with them if they'll let you and if the opportunity allows it. Uh, And in your prayer, you can show them what God is capable of. Tell them what God has done. And give them a reason to trust in him. It's not always easy to get in those kind of conversations because we live in an increasingly secularized culture that disputes the, the value of religion. Uh, and uh, ironically, spirituality is still somewhat common, although the, uh, it seems to be intended to have been divorced uh, from religion. And that makes it further difficult to engage in those kind of discussions in many ways because spirituality as opposed to religion is personal and individual. And it's hard to talk about those personal individual things rather than public corporate things. Spirituality is also oftentimes ambiguous and contradictory. Uh, rather than a religion which is set forth in uh, confessions and uh, uh, codified in doctrines, spirituality tends to, well, you know, I believe in God and stuff, and I think there's a higher power, and I'm a Hindu-Muslim Christian. Uh, makes it hard to talk about. But it's not impossible to talk about, especially if we're able to connect Uh, The fact that no matter how much you deny a religion, claim to be spiritual rather than religious or something like that, there is a way, it is really more a part of our lives than we realize uh, for all of us. And it starts by recognizing that it does in mine. You'll be able to say, hey, you know, all I can say is, my religious beliefs have a massive impact on my life. Uh, do your beliefs have a massive impact on your life? How does it affect you? I can tell you what my beliefs mean to me and how it affects my life and changes my life. And if you really want to dig into it, and the truth be told, whether you recognize it or not, your beliefs everyone's beliefs has an impact on their life. You think about it, everyone goes somewhere Sunday morning. Everyone goes somewhere Sunday morning. Why do you go where you go? Uh, do you, uh, why do you go to the golf course Sunday morning rather than sleep in? 
Why do you sleep in rather than go to church? Why do you go to the sports game rather than church or wherever it may be? Why do you go where you go? Because of what you believe and value. And what is the result when you go where you go? Does it lift you up and empower you to face tragedies in life, difficulties in life? How do you feel about that? Everyone's uh, values shape their behavior uh, in a way that uh, manifests their spiritual beliefs. And when you do that, it could just as easily be called religion or worship, whether you're bowing down and praying or not. Whatever action you're engaged in is the liturgy of your personal religion. Whatever action you're engaged in is the manifestation of your spiritual beliefs and a religious practice. What you put into yourself is what you get out. Whether that's uh, garbage in, garbage out, uh, like they say in uh, data inputs and programming, or you are what you eat uh, from a nutritional perspective. And that applies to us in our witness as well. Uh, That's one of the biggest things we can do to witness to others is to evangelize yourself. Because it's also true, gospel in, gospel out. When you fill yourself with the gospel, what's going to come out of you? But the gospel uh, in word and behavior. Uh, What you fill yourself with, God's word, the gospel, is going to transform your life. And turn you in to a, a messenger, ambassador, a, a living witness of what that does to you. To make you a gospel person. That's how all this began. With God calling us his children, remaking us in his image through the means of grace and word and sacrament. Uh, to be like him, a chip off the old block, an apple that doesn't fall far from the tree. So that in us, those around us can see him. As we fill our, our hearts and minds and lives with the gospel, with God's word, Uh, We can see ourselves how that changes us and then share that with those around us uh, verbally as they uh, witness the, the, the difference it is between us and those who fill their hearts and minds and lives with other stuff. And I was just witnessing the result of that myself. In our prayers in just a few minutes, promise it'll just be a few minutes. In our prayers, we'll be uh, praying for a lady by the name of Bernice, who at 92 uh, is declining in health. She's not getting out of bed anymore, refusing food. 
probably not going to be around that much longer. I got to share communion with her as I visited her and speak to her God's word in assurance. And she spoke it just as much back to me as I was reminding her that God is with her, uh, walking beside her through this journey wherever it goes. Her face smiled. Oh, yes, Pastor. I know. He's with me. She'd fed on the gospel all her life. Now at the end of her life, she, she has joy and peace. Even as she stares death in the face. We have that same blessing and privilege. For when we face our death, when we face the death of our loved ones, when we face any obstacle or difficulty, because of the great gift God has given us, a gift that we can rejoice in all the more as we share that with those around us. We're in an interesting cultural climate right now. You could think of it as a religious recession or or depression, maybe even, uh, as it's increasingly common for people to label themselves as atheist or unreligious. But really, it's almost like claiming to not have a father. Well, your father may be absent or not a part of your life, but everyone has a father. You came from somewhere. Uh, We know where we came from. We know our Father, and that He is a Father who is present uh, for us in powerful, wonderful ways. We get to share that with a world that doesn't know that blessing. And that's uh, a wonderful part of God's blessing with us. As through the Holy Spirit, He empowers us and motivates us and strengthens us uh, to be a part of his family mission. May that peace that is beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.